Good morning. Man, um, so excited to be here with you guys this morning and just to open the word together. If you have your Bible, you can flip open to Matthew 17. Um, yeah, um, I'm excited about it. Um, man, so good. I don't, I don't even want to rush through what just happened. Um, I don't know if it happened for you, but it happened for me. And I think so often we get into these kind of holy moments where God just shows up and then we want to blow through and go to the next thing because it's uncomfortable sometimes. But, man, it's so good when God shows up. Father God, we thank you. God, we just thank you. We're believing you this morning for big things. God, we're believing you this morning for life-changing things, things that only you can do. So God, this morning as we open your word, we pray, God, that you just press in, press into us, and we'll press in with you. God, we just want to hear from you. Lord, we love you. Smooth me out of the way. Speak into this place. Amen. Um, said, if you have your Bible, you can flip open to Matthew 17. Um, we're going to talk about something awesome this morning. Um, I am uh, dealing with uh, allergies. They're awesome. Everybody feeling me there. Um, seen a couple of you kind of doing the nose thing and coughing a little bit as you come in. So it's not just me, apparently, but if I'm sniffing a lot today, I'm sorry about that. Um, just try to overlook it. But... Um, Hopefully it'll be gone soon. I got some giant horse pill from the doctor, and I'm going to take about four more of those and hope it's gone. So anyway, um, this morning we're going to be in Matthew 17, and I'm so excited about this message, but I'm also kind of intimidated by this message. I've never um, preached this before, um, and, and I've looked at it, and I've seen it, and I've thought about it, and, and just there's, there's this intimidating thing around, around this moment with Jesus, and um, through the help of God this morning, I'm just going to pray it's going to be an amazing thing for all of us, but also I'm kind of stingy, so I hope it's going to be an amazing thing for me as well. Um, but we're going to talk about this morning the transfiguration, um, and I know like that's, you look at that and they're like, that's a big word, right? Like the transfiguration, that's awesome. Uh, whatever that means. So the transfiguration or transfiguration uh, is a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. So really, we're talking about when we're talking about the transfiguration is just this change that happens in this moment in the story. Jesus is um, changing form maybe in front of these guys. And we're going to talk about all that in just a second. But it starts off in 17 and it says after six days, right? Like, Okay, awesome. Um, so we're just going to rewind a second um, because I don't know what it's been six days since. And what it's been six days since is this thing in Matthew 16 where Jesus talks about um, ta- taking up your cross, right, and following him. In 24, it says, then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me or come after me, he must deny himself and he must take up his cross and he must follow me. Now, in this moment, Jesus is doing a couple things. One, he's telling the disciples just kind of without any apology, I'm going to the cross. They'd seen crosses before, by the way. They knew what they were. Jesus was not the only man to ever be crucified. Actually, there were probably hundreds of thousands of people kind of over the course of time that were crucified. Um, Jesus was just the only man to ever like kind of get die and then come back from that. That's why we still talk about him. Um, 
So Jesus is going to the cross and he tells his disciples this, but what he also tells them is if you're going to follow me, if you're really going to follow me, not just like come and listen to me talk and not just kind of get together with the guitar out around the campfire and sing the songs, if you're really going to follow me, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deny yourself, which means lay aside your wants and your needs and your desires, and then you're going to have to take up your cross. And what he's saying in that moment is you're going to have to die. Not only are you going to have to deny yourself, it's not about your wants, but you have to kind of die to yourself. You have to die to the, the, the things that you want. And you're going to follow me because that's exactly what I'm about to do. He goes on, he says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. it seems so backwards, but it's how it works. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? That's a great question. Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? It says, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he's done. And then he says this in 28, I assure you, or I'm telling you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, or the Son of Man glorified, is what he's saying. Now what he's speaking of in this moment is not what we think of a lot of times when we look at this. We, we look at it and we think he's talking about Jesus coming back and stepping back onto the planet the second time, the second coming. And can I just say right here in this moment, every one of these people that heard this are dead. Right? I mean, unless you know something I don't know, everybody that heard this in that moment, they're, they're, they're dead. So Jesus can't be talking about in this moment the second coming, can he? What he's talking about is coming in, in his glory. He's foreshadowing this moment, what's about to happen in, in just a verse or two, where Jesus is going to be transfigured. A couple of these people that are standing here are going to see him in his glory. And the transfiguration is just kind of a, a, a spoiler alert to what is about to happen where Jesus is going to die, and he's going to be resurrected, and then he's going to ascend into heaven. He's just letting them in on a little bit of the preview here. And that's where we're entering 17 where he says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John, and he led them on a high mountain by themselves. Jesus, in just a moment, if you haven't already caught on to this, is going to be transfigured. He's going to be shown in his glory. And six days ago, he, he makes this uh, prediction. He says, there's going to be some of you that are standing here uh, that aren't going to taste death until you see me in my glorified form. Some of you are not going to die before you actually witness this. And what he's saying is, I'm about to be transfigured, and some of you are going to get to witness this thing. After six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, it seems like maybe a short period of time, uh, but it's just long enough that they probably would have forgot about and not even thought about what Jesus had just said back in chapter 16, right? Some of you are going to see me glorified. Some of you are going to see this amazing thing. Well, six days later, now we don't even know what he's talking about, but relatively short period of time. And he leads them up this high mountain by themselves, isn't that crazy? There's 12 of them, and he picks three. Picks Peter. Have you ever thought about Peter? Peter, um, although he does some really cool stuff, says some really dumb stuff. And then you have 
James. James is the first disciple to be martyred, by the way. He's got a relatively short period of time left on the planet to tell people about Jesus. And then you have John, who's going to be the longest living disciple. He's going to outlive everybody else, but he'll eventually die. But he's also the youngest. Peter's the oldest, big mouth. John's the youngest. We don't hear a lot from him. And then we have James, who's not going to be on the planet a whole lot longer. And he takes these three guys, and he takes them up the mountain to be transfigured in front of these three guys. It's like, why did he pick these three? Why not Bartholomew, right? Why not Thomas? Why not any of the other guys that I don't remember their names right now? Like, why not those guys? Why'd you pick these three? This is the inner circle of Christ. These are the three people that Jesus arguably poured into more than any of the other disciples. There were 12 guys, and outside of those 12 guys, there were like 100 and something people that were followers of Jesus. But these are the three guys that show up all the time just with Jesus by himself alone. These three, it's his inner circle. It's his best friends, the people he poured into the most. And he leads these three guys up a high mountain by themselves. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain before. I haven't. I'm not super athletic. I don't, maybe that's a shock to you. shouldn't be, but maybe it is. Um, welcome, first-timers. Um, and he leads these people up a high mountain. He didn't just, like, walk over behind a tree and do this, right? He's like, we're going to go up this mountain today, not just a normal mountain or, like, a little hill, but, like, a high mountain. This would have been probably pretty difficult physically, right? A little bit of a journey here as we climb this mountain, um, I would imagine anyway. He leads these guys up a high mountain, and I don't know how fit Peter, James, and John were, but I know they were all fishermen, so mountain climbing is probably not one of their hobbies. Probably a difficult thing. I think it's amazing, though, that he is going to show them something amazing, but he takes them first through a difficult thing. It's just maybe for free this morning, but if you're going through a difficult thing, maybe it's because God's about to show you something that he doesn't show many people. Right? Maybe if you're going through like a little bit of a trial or a struggle today, maybe God's about to show you something that you're kind of going to be in a little bit of an exclusive group on the, on the front end. Right? Like maybe you're, you're one of the few that are going to get to experience this, and God's just taking you through this trial to, to get you there. That's what happened with these guys. He says he was, takes them up this high mountain by themselves. It says, and two, he was transformed in front of them. That all of a sudden, when they get to the top of this mountain, Jesus is transformed. And it says in this transformation that his face shone like the sun. Can you imagine that? Like if we're just sitting in the room today and just all of a sudden Nick just starts glowing. Like that's going to be kind of weird for us. We're not expecting that. But we get up this mountain and all of a sudden Jesus like turns around and you can't even look at his face anymore. I don't know if you ever tried to stare into the sun. It doesn't work. You probably shouldn't do it. It's not a good idea. Um, but all of a sudden it becomes hard to look at Jesus because his face starts shining like the sun. It says even his clothes became as white as the light. Not only did Jesus' face start shining like the sun, but everything that was on Jesus started shining. In other words, you couldn't even cover up the amount of glory that was pouring out of Jesus at this, mo- at this moment. We, they're, they're getting to see Jesus in a way that no one around them had seen Jesus. I can't find another story in the book where Jesus does this. Can you, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is there, is there another moment where any of the other 12 get to experience Jesus in this way? In this moment, Jesus is being shown in his glorified form. In this moment, you're not looking at this flesh and this beard, if he had a beard. You're not looking at, not looking at this man that you, 
knew you're seeing the glory of the Father, what he was just talking about in 16, Jesus in his glorified form. And I don't know about you, but this would be kind of an amazing moment. You would think probably there wouldn't be much conversation going on. It'd just be like a jaw hit the ground. I don't really know what's going on kind of thing. They probably weren't thinking, what did he say six days ago? Like, what was that about? Making the connection is just like, what's going on here? It says, Something weird happened, even more weird. I guess we're already doing weird stuff. But In 3, it says, Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them. Now, I think this is interesting because Moses and Elijah both died like years before these guys were ever on the planet. But it seems like in this moment, they look and they just show up and they're like, Oh my gosh, it's Moses, right? That's weird. There's not pictures that I know of of Moses hanging out. Like, as you walk in synagogue, this is Moses, this is Elijah. They're not framed sitting up there that I know of. But uh, when, the, when they show up, it's like automatic. We know who these guys are. Um, maybe that says something about heaven. I don't, I don't know. But it says, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them, and they were talking with him, him being capitalized. They were having a conversation with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall in this moment? Jesus walks up this mountain. These three guys get to come. They're not really there to participate. They're just there to spectate. Um, and, and Jesus shows them himself in, in his glory. Maybe that's something Peter's going to need to remember down the line as Peter denies Jesus and then comes back and writes letters in the church. Maybe that's something um, James is going to need to be remembering as he's the first disciple that's martyred. Maybe that's something John is going to need to remember as he's on the planet the longest, and after all his friends are martyred, he's still telling the story of Jesus. Maybe that's a moment they're going to need to remember. But Jesus walks him up this mountain, difficult they were probably complaining, right? Like, Jesus, how much farther do we have to go? Like, why didn't you pick Thomas? Why is Thomas not coming up the mountain? I don't want to do this. This is frustrating. Uh, I'm really tired, and Jesus is probably just smiling. It's going to be worth it. Don't worry about it. Um, and they, they get up the mountain, and Jesus starts glowing. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah, never saw those guys before, but hey, all of a sudden, I know who they are, show up, and they're having a conversation with Jesus. This should be the moment, right, where Peter, James, and John are like, let me check. I'm just going to take notes. I'm just going to write this down. I need to remember this. And there's not a conversation happening at this point in time, or shouldn't be between them anyway. They were there just to see. <coughs> and wouldn't you love to know, like, what they talked about? Here's Jesus and Moses and Elijah, three guys whose lives never intersected on the planet Earth, right? Like, Moses was... The first one, he came and um, he like led the people of Israel out of slavery into Egypt and he led them to the promised land. He didn't get to go in. He was the guy that was up on the mountain that God delivered the Ten Commandments to and he would go into a tent and it was noted in the Bible that God would speak to him face to face as a friend. I don't see anybody else with that story, do you? And here Moses is on the mountain. That's kind of awesome. And here's Elijah, who, if you don't know much about the prophets, um, he, was, he was kind of the guy, right? There's all kinds of prophets. He doesn't even have his own book, but he's like the one they look to. is like the king of the prophets. He's like the one. He's the standard. And he's also the one that he didn't actually die, but um, he kind of went out into the wilderness, and he was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. It's kind of awesome, right? Just Elisha standing there like, dude. That was awesome. Like, wouldn't you love to see that? And here they are just hanging out on this mountain having this conversation. And it doesn't say what they're 
talking about because it's not the point of the story, but I would have loved to just been part of that conversation, really. And the disciples should have just kind of been sitting there, right? Taking it in. But then, unfortunately, Jesus took Peter, and Peter's not good at sitting there. Um, So it says in verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, right? This is the problem A. You shouldn't have said anything. You should have listened. Um, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Man, you chose right. I'm glad you didn't choose that sucker Bartholomew. Like, there's no way he would have been good enough for this. Like, what does that even mean? Like, oh, it's good for, way to go, Jesus. You did good picking us, man. Like, what? Why did you talk? That didn't need to be there. I love Peter. Um, Peter is either really on or really off, and this one's kind of one of those off moments. And he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And then he says, if you want, I will make, let's not worry about James and John. Um, they can just watch. I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, tabernacles, just in case you don't know, um, tabernacles are a meeting place for worship. It's like, I'm, I'm going to build three little structures here that we can, we can worship, and we'll make one for you, right? Jesus first. It's awesome. Um, we listed him number one. And then we'll make one for Moses, and then we'll make one for Elijah. So we can just remember this moment, and people can come up here, and if you want to worship Moses, you can go to the little Moses tabernacle. If you want to worship Elijah, you can go to the Elijah tabernacle. If you want to worship Jesus, you can come on over here to the Jesus tabernacle. You can get all three. They're close. Mark them off the list. It's like laughable, isn't it? It's kind of dumb. Let's be honest. Some of you are like, I don't think it's dumb. Okay, well, it is, but you think what you want. Um, <coughs> it's kind of dumb. Um, I love Peter. I'm like Peter. I say a lot of stupid stuff too. Um, I can relate to him. But this was dumb. It's kind of laughable. But I think he had good intentions. Like, let's not knock him too bad. Right? Like, you'd be a little overwhelmed too, and I think he was. Just come up this mountain. Jesus wasn't like, you know, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get up here. I'm going to start glowing. He didn't give them the play-by-play before they went up the mountain. He's just like, let's take a walk. You guys stay here. I don't like you as much. No, I'm just kidding. Um, He didn't say that. That was a joke. Um, See, I say dumb stuff. I'm like Peter. But he takes them up the mountain, and they get to the top of the mountain, and Jesus starts glowing, and then Moses shows up, and Elijah shows up, and they're having this conversation. Uh, And they didn't know what to expect coming into this. And here he is, like, overwhelmed by the moment. This is amazing. Like, seeing Moses was not on the playlist today, right? I didn't wake up thinking, man, Moses, like, hero of the faith is going to show up on this mountain. That was not what he thought when he rolled out of bed that morning. Or Elijah, greatest prophet to ever live. Oh, he's, he's going to show up on the mountain today. That was not part of the plan. And here he is standing in this moment that he could have never imagined coming up this mountain, probably complained the whole way up the mountain. He's overwhelmed by what's going on, and he just thinks, man, this is amazing. We need to remember this. Uh, Jesus, if you want, it's your your choice. I can make a tabernacle, a place to worship you, because, I mean, you're glowing. That's awesome. I can make a place to worship Moses. I can make a place to worship Elijah, and then people can come up this mountain and and they can worship. Sounds like a decent idea if you're overwhelmed by the moment. Apparently not at all what was supposed to happen. 
This is in 5, while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them. This is like Old Testament stuff right here. And it says, a voice from the cloud said, or this is God, if you didn't get that, and this is a voice of God from the cloud. And God says like three things into this moment. He says, this is my beloved, my beloved son. I take delight in him. Listen to him. He says, let me make a tabernacle so we can worship Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And God shows up in a cloud, and he speaks into this moment before Peter could ever finish the thought. And he said, no, this is my son. This is the son that I love. He's right here. I take delight in him. I think I have the definition for delight, maybe. Delight is to please someone greatly or to take great pleasure in someone. He says, I take great pleasure in him. I'm proud of him. I, I, I love him, and, and I'm pleased by him. Listen to him. Let me just ball that up for you. God shows up and he says, it's not about Moses. It's not about Elijah. This is my son. This Jesus that you've been following around, the Jesus you come up in the mountain with today, like he is the son of God. He's my son. Do you see it? Do you see it yet? And I, God, am greatly pleased with him. Like, like I'm, I'm so like overwhelmed by him. I, I treasure him. I value him. I'm so at, at joy with him. And you should be too. Like if God treasures Jesus, how much more should we treasure Jesus? Listen to him. You start thinking about that, and you're like, what's going on here? Right? Like, we could blow through that. That's good. That's good. Amen. Hallelujah. We're done. But, like, what's really going on here? Here, Moses shows up. Why Moses? What, what does Moses represent? What was given to Moses? The law, right? Moses is a representative of the law. That's, that's who he is. Everything in their faith is built around this, Right? These are Jewish men, men who were raised Jewish, right? They're, they, they're brought up in, in and under the law. Like, that's the cornerstone. Moses is like the man. He is. I think Moses is the man. Moses led him out of Egypt, right? He did some dumb stuff kind of in there, but, I mean, he led him out of Egypt. Moses and Peter probably are a lot alike. He speaks to God face to face. Nobody else gets that. He had a, a glory that would happen, right? His face would shine. If you read the Bible, his face would shine after meeting with God, and he would cover it up. But here's a man whose face shines, and even the clothes that he's wearing shines. He can't cover up the glory. Moses had a fading glory. Jesus has an eternal glory. And it's like God's saying, you know, it's, just, it's not about Moses anymore. 
Moses, man, he, he, he did a great thing. He did exactly what I wanted him to do. He, he come into the planet and he, and, he, and he put down the law for you guys. I, I delivered the law through Moses and, and, and you guys got the law, right? And some of you tried to follow the law and you tried to do the law. But the law, it, it could never complete you. It could never complete you. It was never meant to complete you. It was meant to show you exactly how empty you were. That you needed something else. You needed something greater than Moses. You need something greater than the law. What did you need? We standing here on the mountain with you today. This is my son. I take delight in him. I treasure him. Listen to him. Then here's Elijah. What does Elijah represent? He represents the prophets, right? He's a prophet, but he's like the king of the prophets. He's the, he's the one. We didn't pick any of the other guys because he's, he's the one. Shows up on the mountain, has a conversation with Jesus. And here God is, it's not about the prophets. What is the Old Testament? It's the law and the prophets, right? Not about them. He says, this is my son. I take delight in him. I treasure him. Listen to him. Now, what I don't want you to hear is discount everything in the Old Testament. I didn't say that. Right? It wouldn't be there. God would have just ripped it out of the book if it wasn't, if it wasn't for us. Um, so I don't want you to be like, oh, I don't have to listen to that or read that. or No, like it's, it's there for a reason. But I think what God's saying in this moment is that reason is everything back there points to everything right here. Like all this stuff that, that, that Moses was talking about, what was it to do? It was to show this moment. Moses had a fading glory. I used Moses. He was, he was, he was, he was used for my purpose. I had, a, I had a thing that he needed to do and he did it. And it was to drive you all to this moment, to this purpose, to this person. And, and the prophets, like Elijah was one of them, right? But like there was Elisha and there was, there was all these other guys that would come down through there. But, but all these men, they talked about one thing, didn't they? What was the thing that they pointed to? What was the thing that they talked about? What was every writing all the way before the book of Matthew, what was it for? It was for Jesus. It was to point towards Jesus. It was all towards one point, one purpose. And that purpose was what? To point towards Jesus. Every, every, every letter in the whole book from the first letter to, to the first letter of Matthew, like they all pointed towards one person, one purpose, and that was Jesus. So here they are on this mountain, and it's an amazing moment. It's an overwhelming moment. You have Moses, who, like, who wouldn't want to meet Moses? There's something wrong with you if you wouldn't want to meet Moses. That would be amazing. And who, want to meet, uh, who wouldn't want to meet Elijah, right? Caught up in a whirlwind into heaven. That'd be awesome. How'd that feel, man? <laughs> Just tell me a little bit about that. That'd be, like, who wouldn't want to meet him? It's okay to respect them. I'm not saying that. It's okay to listen to them. It's okay to admire them. It's okay. All, all that stuff's okay. But what, what God is saying in this moment is like, they're not equal. You want to make three tabernacles here? One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. You're missing the point because it's only about Jesus. Like Moses would even tell you, I just came to talk about him. 
I didn't get it till we were on that mountain, right? Like, <laughs> that was the moment. I also think it's amazing, by the way, that Moses died before he got to go into the promised land, right? And here, like, hundreds of years later, he's standing on a mountain in the promised land after death with Jesus. Isn't that good? God promised, <laughs> man, you're going to get to lead my people to the promised land. You're not going to get to go in. And then through Jesus, look, here he is, standing on the mountain in the promised land. And you're like, okay, well, what, why, does that, why does that matter to me? That's good. I mean, okay, amen, hallelujah. This is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased or take, I take delight in him, listen to him. That's, that's good. Why does that matter to me? See, I think the problem is a lot of us are a lot like Peter in this moment. See, Peter was a man who, who, who would have been raised as a Jewish man. That's what he was. And he would have been raised to respect and follow Moses. And that would have been like a hero. And to respect and follow the prophets. And that would have been like a hero. And he would have known like all the, all the church things, right? Like how to do all that stuff. You know, all the church words and all, the, all, all those moments. He, he would have known all those things. And here in this moment, they all show up together, and he doesn't even know what he's looking at, right? Here's Jesus, who I've walked around with for probably a couple years at this point in the, in the journey. Jesus is glorified, which is amazing. But then Moses and Elijah shows up, and I mean, I'm just as content with them as I am with him. And God's like, you got it wrong. I mean, it's cool that Moses is here, but that's not the point. It's cool that Elijah's here, but that's not the point. You're missing the point because you're so caught up in the moment. You're, you're missing the point. And I kind of feel, um, I just want to deliver this the right way. I kind of feel like some of us are that way, um, with this religion that we have. Where we get so caught up in the stuff that we miss the point. That the measure of our faith, the measure of our religion, or, or whatever word you want to put on it, is, is based on the stuff that we do and not on the person that we have. See, we get so caught up in, 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 in the church thing, right? You can you say yes, because it's true. I, I get caught up in the church thing. I have to check myself periodically because sometimes it just becomes about the wrong thing. It's like, man, how can we make it better? How can we make it better? How can we make it better? And it's like, no, no, the point is, is here. We get so caught up in all the external stuff that we kind of miss the centerpiece a lot of times. Like, like how many of us base our closeness to God off how many times we show up to a building? Or how many of us base our closeness to God like off how many times we remembered to pray that week before we went to sleep? Or like if we remembered to pray before we ate at the subway. I just went to subway because that's what I talked about last week. Um, 
Or like what radio station we listen to most that week. Oh, it's 70% Christian music, so I'm close to Jesus this week. <laughs> Can I just say, like, none of that stuff determines how close you are to God. And you're like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is if you took all that away, like, so what would happen if, if next Sunday you woke up and there were no more churches? Right? Like, let's, just, let's just go with it. What if, what if on Saturday night the government said, there is no more church, you can't do that? If you do it, I'm going to throw you in jail or I'm going to put you to death. Well, then where would your relationship with God be? What if like all the Christian phrases, right? Oh, God is good oh, all the time. You know, all that Facebook stuff. What if all those were outlawed, right? Can't say those anymore. What if all the Christian radio stations were banned? There was no more Christian radio. When all the Bibles were taken, it was illegal to pray at the subway. Well, where would your relationship with God be? Where, where would your relationship with Jesus be? Like if that's the determining factor, if that's how most of us gauge how close we are to God and then somebody just come in and I know I used an extreme. We're probably a few years from that still maybe, but that, it's possible. What if all that stuff was taken away, then where would you be? See, in reality, we have this tendency, like Peter, to really pour into, into, into these things, right? And miss the one that's standing right there in front of us. Really pour into, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church every Sunday and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be involved. Well, that's great, until there is no more church. Uh, I'm not saying don't come. I, I want you to come, obviously. It's nice to see you. But if that's what determines your relationship with God, then maybe you don't have one. You can, you can do the church thing and miss Jesus. It's possible, right? Jesus even writes about it. Some of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And then they'll say, but I went to church every week. And then they'll say, but I was a blah, blah, blah teacher. And then they'll say, but I only listened to Caleb. And then they'll say, but I wore all the Christian t-shirts. And I had the little fish bumper sticker. And I, and I like, uh, argued for you on Facebook. And then they'll say all those things. And then they'll say, but I, I didn't know you. See, what really determines if we have a relationship with Jesus is when everything else is taken away, do you still have Jesus? And if the answer is no, I'm not saying you're lost, but I'm saying, man, there's at least something to work on, right? I'm not saying you're not lost. But I'm not saying you are. Because what God didn't speak out of that cloud was, 
build the churches. What God didn't speak out of that cloud was, get involved. What God didn't speak out of that cloud was, give extra. What God didn't speak out of that cloud was, behave. What God didn't speak out of that cloud was, listen to Caleb. What God didn't speak out of that cloud was, buy all the t-shirts. What God spoke out of that cloud was, no, you're missing it. This is my son who I treasure. Listen. This is my son who I treasure. He is the point. All of creation has driven you to this moment. This is the most important thing that will ever happen in your life. You're getting to see him right now. And even though you're seeing him, you're focused on all this other stuff. Like he's glowing with the presence of God in front of you. And you're talking about Moses. You're so caught up in the stuff, you're missing the point. You know why I can say that with confidence today? Because it's not just said here, it's echoed over and over and over and over again in this word. I can say that without, with confidence that if you don't come back next week, it doesn't matter. Because if that's what it takes that you know, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I'm glad you know. I, I, I'm free today to say it doesn't matter if you give because God will take care of the money because the people that get the point will get all the extras. But the people that get all the extras and miss the point, I'm, I worry for you. God said, this is my son. I treasure him. Do you treasure him? Listen to him. This is in 6, when the disciples heard it, they fell face down and we're terrified. I, I love this. I'm going to take this with me. This is not face down. This is a start. But this is not face down. The thing I was doing a minute ago, this is not face down. See, when I'm in this position, I still see everything else, right? Right? If I'm here, I can still see you. I can still see Moses. I can still see Elijah. I can still see everything else. This is face down. You know what you can see from down here? Nothing. I can't see you. I I mean, I, I assume you're still here. I haven't heard the door. I can't see Moses, I can't see Elijah, I can't see my problems, I can't see my worries, I can't see my doubts, I can't see the enemy, I can't see uh, everything that's pressing in on me, I can't see my mortgage, I can't see my marriage, I can't see any of that stuff. But this is prime position to do something that's not seeing, isn't it? See, from this position I can't see, but I can hear. And it says the disciples fell not like gently got down on one knee, but fell face down. They fell face down. 
And it says they were terrified. I don't know what they're terrified about. Um, I assumed the cloud with the voice of God probably had something to do with it. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if they were terrified by the fact that they just saw Jesus in all his glory and they missed the point? It says, then Jesus came up and he entered into that place and he touched them and he said, get up, don't be afraid. It says, when they looked up, they saw no one except him, Jesus, alone. They fell face down, terrified. Jesus stepped into that moment, and he said, because you can't see from there, but you can hear from there. He said, get up, don't be afraid. And when they got up, (laughs) what did they see? Jesus alone. (laughs) Jesus alone. When they got up, they saw Jesus alone. You know who wasn't there when they got up? Moses and Elijah. They'd left the building, right? Maybe the whirlwind came back while they were down there. I don't know. They missed whatever happened in that moment. But from that place, from that position of face down and terrified, God removed all the other stuff. He removed all the distractions. In that place of face down and terrified, God removed all the other things that had caught their attention, had caught their eye, that had called them in. He removed all the false things that we could end up worshiping, right? He removed all the other things that we want to build tabernacles to from that place of terrified and face down. God called them into a place where everything didn't matter anymore except one thing. And what was that thing? Jesus alone. And that's my prayer for us today, every one of us. It's my prayer for me today that God would put us in a place today, a position today, that he would put us in a posture today of terrified and face down. That God would maybe take us to a place this morning, maybe through some effort or some energy this morning, he would take us up maybe a mountain this morning. He would put us in a place where we would have to see that it's only about one person, it's only about one name, it's only about one thing, and that thing is not church attendance. If we get Jesus alone, church attendance will come, but it won't be the primary kind of thing on our checklist. And it won't be about what songs we listen to or what songs we like. Those songs, they all point to one thing. It won't be about what t-shirts we wear, how we dress, what kind of tie we put on when we wake up in the morning. It won't be about all the Christian phrases that we try to fill up our heads with or Facebook with. It'll be about something else, something with some real root and depth to it. It'll be about something that's more than just, I'm a Christian. And it'll be about my life is rooted and grounded in Jesus.
today, I just want you to know God's offering something. Anybody ever like get tired of just the waking up and coming into a building thing? God's offering something. Anybody get tired of just like always wanting that next song? Because that old song, it doesn't do it for you anymore. You know why? Because there's no power in a song. There's power in a person. You might get tired of feeling like you're just so far out of the game, so far away from God and trying to do more and struggle more to get close to him. I, I know like today, some of us are good with it, right? I'm good with church attendance. Well, bless you. I'm gonna get on my face for you because I'm terrified for you. But some people in this place today, you're just tired of playing the church game, right? You're tired of just doing the thing and feeling like, man, there's got to be more to it than that. And I just want to say to you today, maybe you focused on all the wrong things and you put your vision kind of on all the wrong spots. And God today is saying, this is my son. I treasure him, do you? I value him, do you? I see him. And what I think every time I see him is, man, I take so much delight in that man. treasure if he's not today if you just be honest with it right if he's not today he's not the only thing today God's saying today let's come and get in a posture we don't see anything else let's put our face on the ground and let's talk for a moment Maybe for some of you today, it's not church that's got you distracted. It's life. It's your marriage. It's your money. It's your stuff. It's habits. It's pleasure. And today God's saying, you know what? Let's come. Let's get face down. And let's block out all that stuff. Let's talk for a minute.